Welcome back. This is Sam. And this is Corrine, and we are two OncDocs. September will mark Uterine Cancer Awareness Month, and so this week's episode is going to focus on everything related to uterine cancer, and we're going to go over the important details on the risk factors, presentation, diagnosis, staging, and treatment options for both localized and metastatic disease. Definitely. And so Karina and I were just talking. And so depending on where you trained, you might actually not see a lot of um, gynoc or GYN oncology. And so if you don't have that, like we didn't, you really need to study this, you know, by the books for the boards, because this is a heavily tested um, topic on both your ITEs and your boards. If during your training, you do have the ability to do a dedicated GYN oncology rotation clinics and to see some of this, you really should. Because when you get out in the real world, a lot of times these cancers are truly diagnosed and treated by our surgical colleagues in the gynonc realm. Um, But to kick us off, how does uterine cancer generally present? Yeah, I just wanted to add, I agree with Sam. We did not see any gynonc in our continuity clinic, but we had the option to do a month with our GYN oncologists. And they would most of the time be the ones prescribing systemic therapies. So it was definitely very useful to do because it comes up a lot. And depending on where you work, you may actually be seeing GYN oncology patients. And so the most common symptom for uterine cancer is vaginal bleeding. So 90% of women with endometrial cancer have abnormal vaginal bleeding. And the other symptoms may include vaginal discharge, pelvic pain or pressure or change in bowel habits. But basically, if you have a vignette with a postmenopausal woman with vaginal bleeding, be thinking about an endometrial biopsy. Agreed. That's definitely going to be the buzzwords that they give you guys in that vignette. So what are our risk factors for developing uterine cancer? So obesity is a risk factor as well as taking hormone replacement therapy like estrogen after menopause. Tamoxifen is also a risk factor as well as PCOS, infertility, older age, a family history, a history of radiation to the pelvis or endometrial hyperplasia. And I just wanted to mention that complex atypical hyperplasia, you're going to want to do a hysterectomy and there is prophylaxis with medroxyprogesterone. And then another risk factor are familial syndromes like Lynch syndrome. So again, remember those mutations in MLH1, MSH2, MSH6, and PSM2, also known as HNPCC. And for women that are done childbearing at age 35, you're going to offer a hysterectomy. Definitely. I think the Lynch syndrome is something that everyone needs to remember. They can give you a vignette talking about colon cancer, reference Lynch syndrome, and then they may ask about what other prophylactic things do you need to think about. And so we always have to think about endometrial cancer in our Lynch patients. Big things also for Lynch before we move on is that we can start screening with transvaginal ultrasounds yearly, starting at the age of 30 to 35. Um, and you do biopsies with those. And then obviously the prophylactic surgical resection once women are done with the childbearing years. So how is uterine cancer diagnosed and staged? So endometrial biopsy is the gold standard and stage ones are uterine cancers confined to the corpus. Stage twos extend to the cervix, but do not extend beyond the uterus. Stage threes do extend beyond the uterus. So they have like in other cancers, positive lymph nodes, or they may extend to the vagina or adnexa. And then stage four A's invade into the bladder or rectal mucosa and stage four B have distant metastatic disease. 
Perfect. So again, like we've said many times in the past, stage three is designated by those positive lymph nodes and stage four is more distant metastatic disease. So what types of endometrial cancers will we be seeing? So 80% of endometrial cancers are endometrioid, OID at the end. And so grade one and two endometrioid cancers are considered to be type one endometrial cancers. And then type two are everything else. So the papillary serous carcinoma, clear cell carcinoma, undifferentiated carcinoma, and grade threes endometrioid. And then one important cancer to remember is uterine serous cancer, which is aggressive like ovarian cancer. And so it is treated as such. Definitely. And I actually have written in my notes, we were just looking through them is I wrote uterine serous is serious cancer. So that's an easy way to remember it. And they're very aggressive. You treat them like ovarian. What is our main treatment option for uterine cancers? So surgery is the mainstay of treatment, and it's important to know the risk categories. If the cancer is confined to the uterus, you're going to move forward with surgery, which is bilateral oophorectomy with hysterectomy. For those that are lowest risk, so those are stage 1As, so those are confined to the endometrium and that are grade 1 or 2 endometrioid, you have an alternative to surgery. So you can actually consider hormone therapy like magestrol, which is an oral progestin for those that desire fertility. And then for those that are intermediate risk, those are other stage 1s and stage 2s. And those that are high risk are stage threes or stage four A's and the non-endometrioid. Great. So we talked about a lot about adjuvant therapy and adjuvant chemotherapy specifically um, in our ovarian cancer episode. So when we start thinking about adjuvant therapy in uterine, who does not need any adjuvant treatment after surgery? So the lowest risk, the stage one A, so those are the ones that are limited to the endometrium that are grade one or two endometrioid do not need adjuvant treatment. Okay. And who needs adjuvant radiation in endometrial cancer? For stage one A that are grade three or stage one B, and remember one A is limited to the endometrium and 1B extends to less than half of the myometrium, you can consider adjuvant brachytherapy. You do not need full pelvic radiation for those patients. For stage twos, those cancers that extend to the cervix, but do not extend beyond the uterus, you do want full pelvic radiation with extended beam radiation therapy or EBRT. And trials have looked at chemo with radiation or chemo followed by radiation for those that are stage two, and it is not superior to radiation alone. So I think for most patients, they just need radiation after surgery. Great. And which of our endometrial cancer patients do need adjuvant chemotherapy? So those that are stage three or four need adjuvant chemo for those stage three. So those are the ones with positive lymph nodes or that extend to the vagina or adnexa. You can also consider chemo radiation followed by chemotherapy. And then for stage um, fours, you're just going to go forward with straight up chemotherapy. And then remember that serous, the highly aggressive ones, as well as clear cell, which is also high, highly aggressive in ovarian cancer, those also need chemotherapy. 
So remember, serous and clear cell will generally need chemotherapy because they're more aggressive. Great. And so in endometrial cancer, what is our preferred systemic therapy regimen? So such as in our other GYN malignancies, you're always going to remember your carbotaxel doublet. And generally for uterine cancer, it's given for six to nine cycles. And then one thing to note is for those that are HER2 positive, which is often seen in serous uterine cancers, you can add trastuzumab to the carbotaxel. Great. And what treatment options do we have in the second line metastatic setting? So just one thing to remember, if they're platinum sensitive, so they have gotten platinum therapy more than six months ago, you can rechallenge with platinum-based therapy. Otherwise, one of the approved second-line chemotherapies is pembrolizumab with lymvatinib. And then for those that are MSI high, such as in Lynch syndrome, you can consider single-agent immunotherapies such as pembrolizumab or dostarilumab. Awesome. And to finish us up with the ovarian, I mean, with the uterine cancers, what about uterine sarcomas? So for carcinosarcomas, you can do ifosfamide or platinum therapy like carboplatin or um, taxol, like paclitaxel. And resection for leomyosarcoma, again, try to resect if you can, and then you will have an anthracycline-based chemotherapy combination. And then one special kind of sarcoma is endometrial stromal sarcoma. And for those, you can actually give the progestin analog magestrol. Definitely. So I'm a little bit biased being a sarcoma oncologist, but I think the uterine sarcomas are definitely testable. Um, the carcinosarcoma, the leiomyosarcomas, they're more aggressive. If surgery is an option, you guys have to think about them. And if you need to guess a chemotherapy regimen for anything with sarcoma in it, whether it's uterine or anywhere else, guess doxorubicin, ifosfamide, mesna. And like you mentioned, that special low-grade endometrial stromal sarcoma, you can actually treat those with hormone therapy as opposed to chemotherapy because they are more indolent. So this was an awesome review on uterine cancers. And so what are our key takeaway points? So remember that surgery is the mainstay treatment if it's confined to the uterus um, and the surgery will be bilateral salpingoophorectomy with hysterectomy. For those that are stage 1A, grade 3, or stage 1B, uh, confined to less than half of the myometrium, consider adjuvant brachytherapy. You do not need full pelvic radiation like EBRT. If there's stage twos, you do want to consider extended beam radiation therapy. And so straight stage three and four, the stage threes, you can consider chemo radiation, but for both stage three and four, you're probably going to consider systemic chemotherapy with your carbotaxel. And remember that you can add trastuzumab for those HER2 positive serous uterine cancers. Terrific. So as always, thank you guys so much for listening to these weekly episodes. Good luck on your board studying. Make sure you're creating those weekly outlines and sticking to them so you're not in crunch time when it gets closer to. Please feel free to reach out to us with any corrections, comments, or suggestions that you guys want to hear about on next episodes. You guys can get up, get out at us on our Instagram or our Twitter to Ankh Docs. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Bye.